Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Not all prospects are created equal. Some people are great buyers and clients and some just aren't. If you spend any time in sales, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, imagine if you could take your pick from the very best prospects to work with. My guest today is going to show us how to do just that. By the end of this episode, you'll learn a simple outbound prospecting sequence, as well as the underlying strategy for filling your pipeline with your dream customers. Hope you enjoy. Matthew Hunt is the founder of Automation Wolf. Automation Wolf helps B2B companies automate their lead generation with AI-assisted technology and community building that allows you to build rapport, shorten your sales cycles, and scale your sales with fewer people to manage. Matthew's system offers a straightforward process to generate loads of attention, traffic, leads, and without having to invest in SEO, content creation, expensive PPC ads, or any complicated marketing funnels. It can all be automated. So you can spend your time cherry picking the very best clients. Matthew, you ready to dive in? I'm ready to dive in, Morgan. (laughs) Awesome. Tell us, how does your agency get results and what makes you guys different? Yeah, well, I'm kind of an agency for an agency. And um, the reason why I exist is because I own two agencies and exited them. And I know most agencies, the reason why they need help is they are the, they fall into the syndrome called the cobbler's kids go with no shoes syndrome. They're just so darn busy helping their clients with marketing. They never get around to their own. Cool. So agency for the agency, what types of things do you help them with in, in regards to lead generation? Yeah, so what's really interesting is I used to sell inbound marketing services, more specifically like SEO and pay-per-click. I did it for a number of years. My first agency was small businesses. The second agency I owned was more enterprise. And I had a giant opinion, epiphany, particularly with my second industry as I went up market and started uh, closing more enterprise deals, that even though I sold inbound, I got my clients and customers through outbound. Hmm, interesting. Okay. And uh, who's like the ideal agency that you work with? I usually don't work with like a brand new agency, but I also don't work with agencies that have really large sales forces where they'd have like a lot of SDRs and BDRs. I'm sort of in between that spot. So if I was to say they're often, they're usually a first time CEO or founder. (laughs) It's (laughs) usually their first radio. So there's a lot of different things to learn. And, And I don't just help them with the outbound and the sales automation. I really help them create a brand and establish themselves with being able to create content and up their celebrity status with some leverage. So usually these organizations, they're the only person still selling. However, they're wearing all the hats, right? I mean, like every hat Mm -hmm. from operations to sales, to marketing, you know, train their team and they just don't have a lot of time. So what's really important for them is they need to find a lot of leverage (laughs) So they need to do things that are either like the lead dom that knocks down all the other dominoes, or they really need to really look at what is that 80-20 rule. Because as we know, there's only really 20% that drives most of the results. And so they just don't have any time to mess around with anything that that doesn't look like that. So that'd be the sweet spot. Okay. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Do you offer productized pricing or custom pricing? So I actually have, a, I have three programs that I run and you probably have heard these before, but it's called the do-it-yourself program, the done-with-you program, which is essentially the do-it-yourself program, except for it comes with some coaching from me. It's time coaching. The idea is to teach a man to fish and then send them on their way. So it's usually sure. a 90-day, one-quarter type coaching thing for them or someone on their team. It's usually the founder, CEO. And then there's the third package, which I don't have a lot of room for people and don't have a ton of people with it. It's the done-for-you program. And that's just for people who are very serious and want to grow and and build a decent sized business. 
Awesome. The particular client case study or campaign we're speaking about today, what industry is this client in and like what problem do they solve? What do they sell? They're actually a coach and a consultant and they joined the program that was the done with you program because <laughs> it made more sense for them at the time. And they actually coach other agencies. So this is another gentleman who's actually, he built three agencies. The way he says it is he, he burned one <laughs> and did it right with two. <laughs> and now he helps other agencies uh, grow their business and he helps them with a variety of different things. So I'm specifically on the front end when it comes to lead generation and sales, community building, and a little bit of branding. He coaches everything like from soups and nuts, A to Z, and a lot of operational type stuff. He's usually very heavy on operation, or I'd even say mindset, right? Because usually we don't have business problems. We usually just have mindset problems that show up in our business. Sure. Okay, cool. So he's like a holistic consultant that's helping from one end of the business to another, just helping it to grow. Totally. He's the coach in the corner for the fighter, right? I mean, he's literally coaching them through the fight and the everyday challenges that come up with that and the ups and downs of just being an entrepreneur. I mean, it, it can be a very, it can be very lonely sometimes and without having a coach. I, I mean, think about it. I mean, any extreme successful person professionally, like even if you think about athletes, they have coaches. And not only that, they have, they have more than one coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy for us to think that you shouldn't have a coach or other coaches and have different coaches over the years, or you should be like GSP in UFC, right? Where he trains with the best of the best for everybody and goes to, from coach to coach to coach. You know, the one that does jujitsu he wants to get trained from, the best co boxing coach he wants to go to that sure. and so forth. And so you should think about your business that way too. There's and I've never regretted investing in coaching or consulting. And like finding the right person to go deep on a specific area you need help with is important, an important nuance of that too. That you I think so. Yeah. My best advice to myself was I wish I did a couple things earlier in my career through my agency. So one is I wish I invested in coaching sooner. <laughs> That's one. And then two, I think coaches should have an expiry date on them. So okay. I think that you want to be touched by many different people. And some are just literally a coach that you come in temporarily for a month, others for a year. But I find that after a year, usually you outgrow it. What you want to look for is you want to find someone who's actually already gone where you want to go, but not so far ahead that they're disconnected to where you're at right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just, right. Just a little bit ahead where they can help you avoid some of the pitfalls or landmines not to step into. And yet you can still sort of follow their footsteps to fast track yourself through that process. Gotcha. Totally agree. And so the coach that you're working with, who is he prospecting? Who are his ideal clients that he's looking to kind of get in his sales funnel to begin conversations with? Yeah, they're very similar to, to my clients. And in fact, we actually even refer clients back to each other all the time as well too as a referral engine. But uh, he also coaches a lot of first-time CEOs, specifically marketing companies. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so you're tasked with creating this outreach campaign for him. Let's talk about first, like the list that you're building or where you're gathering these prospects from these lead pools. Where are you finding these people to contact? Well, finding people is not very hard today. Sure. I'll give a few specific ways I like going about doing it. I rarely like buying databases because usually it's a little bit old and outdated. So my preferred way is actually to work off of someone's connections within their seconds. And if we have to into their thirds, but I'd like to stay within their second connections on LinkedIn. And so I, I think everybody should have a paid sales navigator account. And the reason why you want a paid sales navigator account is because um, it allows you to sort by some important metrics. And some of the most important metrics is company size, <laughs> how long they've been in their role, <laughs> right, with that title, sure. and location and a few other pieces of information that allow you to really figure out who the ideal person is so that you're actually being more specific. And it just depends on like how important this list is. If it's your dream 100, you really got to do some research. <laughs> However, if you have a bigger pool of people and it's broader and you really know the persona and what makes those people tick inside and out, like if you really truly understand their fears and frustrations and their wants and aspirations with a little bit of data information and a few custom fields and that you can get a pretty amazing response rate <laughs> from sure. people where it feels super personalized, you know, 
I would say that sales navigator is one. And then two, what you can do is you can add on a couple sales tools that'll speed up the process on scraping information from there and finding all the pertinent information. So obviously you want their LinkedIn URL if this is B2B. But if you add on a tool called seamless.ai, makes it really easy to scrape email addresses. I find the email addresses not always to be perfect. And so I like to use hunter.io in tandem with seamless.ai because it finds a few more email addresses for me that it wouldn't have with just seamless.ai. And then I like to scrub them again to make sure that they're not bouncing using the bulk verifier in hunter.io. Now there's another third tool that allows you to just do this as well, which is called Wizza. And I think it's wizza.co, but don't mm -hmm. quote me on that. Yeah, what's great about that one is it's a little more expensive. However, it comes back with verified email addresses the first time. And so just depending on how much scraping you need to do may determine which tool is better for you. I happen to do a lot of scraping. <laughs> so, and so I, because I have many, many clients. And so I found that seamless.ia was basically unlimited amount of scraping for $100 or $200 a month was a very reasonable number. And then Hunter is also very reasonable. Now there is one more tool that I find is, is pretty good these days. And it's a new tool to the market and it's called Uplead. And I think it's okay. just uplead.com. And it grabs all kinds of great information, just like Seamless, not just the standard information. It'll go and grab all their kind of intel from other tools that you might want. And that just helps you get a little more personalized in your outreach and makes it look like you did a little bit more homework without necessarily having to do all that homework up front. Got it. You're using a variety of tools. First off, you know, you're starting with, you know, LinkedIn sales navigator as a cornerstone for finding these people. You are then determining, you know, how much research you're going to do based on the type of people in the list, right? These are super yeah. high value targets. You're obviously going to do more research on the person. If not, you're going to do more research or not more research, but emphasize more on the pain points or the goals that your target market is looking for. And you mentioned yeah. like putting those in your copy and putting in like different merge tags, right? Um, and you're using a variety of tools to grab that info. And it, and it seems like you're using several tools just to get the most data because of course not all of them are going to get everything right but you just want to use those tools to get as much as you can and yep. then you know grab that info and verify it okay cool yep. and of course there's still manual scrubbing to do with anything sure. so it's garbage in garbage out so as much as these tools save you a lot of time i think some people think that you're done at that point mm -hmm. however it does take a human to comb over everything one more time just to make sure that it makes sense. Like Sales Navigator is very famous for bringing back all kinds of information that doesn't necessarily right. make sense to be in that category. And the last thing you want to be doing is reaching out to, let's say, an agency owner or whoever your avatar or you know ideal client is and be the, the wrong person. I mean, sure. it's the wrong industry. It looks bad on you. And, and it's kind of a waste, a waste of an outreach effort, right? So For sure. you know, scrub, scrub, scrub. Do you use a VA virtual assistant for scrubbing? I do. And I have usually more than one pair of eyes on that as well, too, including sometimes even my own eyes. So I'll take a look sure. at things, or maybe I just want to inspect to see what I expect. Sure. So. <laughs> just making sure the list is as high quality as possible when it comes to your data. Yeah, it's garbage in, garbage out. You put in good data and you get better results. And a lot of times people just get, the problem again is they get busy. It's not the knowing that you need to do that or even the wanting to do that. People just literally get busy and they want to push forward. And sometimes they figure doing something is better than doing nothing. But mm -hmm. you do need to be careful about what I call, there's a difference between that versus spraying and praying. Right. Sure. And I understand there's a difference between, you know, motion and action. And yes, we want people to take action, but cycling in motion is also not good too. So you got to find somewhere that the happy medium. Sure. Absolutely. So how many people are you reaching out to in your, like this campaign we're getting into? Well, this like campaign is not a lot. The great news is when you do it well, you don't need to be reaching out to thousands or tens of thousands of people. You can just reach out to I mean, literally, if you're sending for most people, like the company size that I work with in general, or even this gentleman that I'm working with, if you're sending any more than 50 emails a day, that would be like 
really aggressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of them really only need to be setting somewhere between 10 and 25 if it's done well. And if it's really your dream 100, not even. And honestly, you wouldn't even, you shouldn't even really automate too much of that. I mean, I like to, there's a reason to automate something, get it all in the spreadsheet and queued up is because it actually gets done. Sometimes the problem for a lot of these people is they do prospecting already and they're quite good at it. But what ends up happening is they do some prospecting manually, they get some clients <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then they stop prospecting <laughs> and, and therefore also their pipeline dries up and then uh, there's some churn or the project ends. It doesn't really matter what it is, but what ends up happening is they go through this feast and famine type of experience. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the reason why I recommend automation and outsourcing it is because it's, con- it's consistent and you need the consistency to actually win at the end of the day. And really you want to be cherry picking your very best clients, not the other way around. Because if you're not cherry picking, then it leads to a lot of other problems. This is where you end up discounting your pricing. You you can't look at yourself in the mirror the next day, you you know, or things end up happening even worse is you end up feeding your team a client who maybe doesn't share the same values as you and your company or is just a needy client at the end of the day. And therefore that results in a lot of other challenges, right? There's a lot of, you know, usually out of scope work or a lot of times those types of clients end up churning anyways in 90 days or even, you know, 180 days. It doesn't really matter. But the point is when you have churn or challenges like that, it costs you a lot of money, right? And not only that, it lowers the morale to your team. So Mm -hmm. you gotta be super picky about taking on the right people who match your values and and what you can do and charging enough money of what the value you bring to the table. And the only way you can do that is actually if you have enough leads, it's really a lead gen problem. So you see like most people think they have a, they have like a, you know, a sales problem. A lot of times they don't, they have a lead gen problem. And then when they think they have a lead gen problem, they don't really have a lead gen problem. They probably have an automation problem. And then on top of that, even if that doesn't happen, it's a positioning problem. If they can't charge enough, there's no position. And on top of that, if there's the positioning problem, it's probably a mindset problem. Right? <laughs> so it's always something deeper. This is why the five whys exists, right? This is why you dig down and you say, well, why is that? And why? And why? And why? And why? And you finally get to the root cause of what the real problem is. And you fix the root cause, then it fixes all the other problems usually. Sure. It's good that you mentioned that kind of interlocking of it's not just about legion. It's not just about sales. There's several factors at play that kind of weave into each other. And what do you mention that feast and famine cycle is definitely real. And I also really like what you mentioned about cherry picking the best clients because, you know, wasting time with people who are unqualified or like you said, actually putting in all that effort to get someone onboarded, but having them churn is just a huge waste of time, energy, and money uh, for you and the people you're working with. So I think there's a mentality that got to reach out to everyone, everybody, you know, as quickly as I can. And it's not really necessary. Quality is more important because those quality customers are going to come in. They're going to be fun to work with and they're going to stick. Right. That's right. Absolutely. Yep. Totally. A hundred percent agree with that. I mean, I think that you should be disqualifying 80% of the people you talk to. Sure. Um, most people are scared to do that, <laughs> but they shouldn't Scarcity. be. They're, they're only scared of it because they don't have enough leads. And if they had more leads coming in, they, they wouldn't be so worried about it. And including your marketing and your cold outreach needs to also focus on repelling the wrong people as much as you are trying to focus on attracting the right people. Getting a reply and people saying no is not not a bad idea. In fact, you should encourage it and not discourage it. Even encourage people to unsubscribe that, and, and they appreciate it when you do it. They're almost like surprised because most people are always trying to hire, hide their unsubscription, unsubscribe button and bury it in the bottom <laughs> and do all of right. these weird things instead of just, you know, being really, really open about about what it's, why you reached out and, and their options. Right? Be polarizing. Yeah. Be polarizing, right. stand out, unique, use a sense of humor. And I think at the end of the day, most people make the wrong offer because they're not, they're not paying attention to where they are when it comes to outbound, right? Outreach, which at the end of the day is when you do outbound and you do outreach, I always tell people, you know, you're a stranger, 
And right. stranger means danger, right? I mean, right. we teach our kids this. We've all been taught it since we were three years old. So if you're not acknowledging that that is true, you've already kind of set yourself up to fail. So you, you have to acknowledge where you are and you got to earn a lot of that trust. And so one of the biggest problems that people have is actually that it's actually the offers that they make. And mm. the, this is where they're making the wrong offer. And I usually recommend if there's two offers I always recommend people starting with to get going. And one is usually the offer of community because most people don't turn it down <laughs> or some form of ego bait, such as an interview, et cetera, in some format. And both of those give you the opportunity for people to get to know, like, and trust you. And that's the bridge you're trying to cross <laughs> because at the end of the day, people buy based on trust, but you can't do any selling until there's trust. And so if you start selling before you've earned trust, you're not acknowledging realistically where you are. And unless someone has a huge amount of pain and you got really lucky, really yeah. lucky that you just caught them at the right moment, it's going to be a big fat no. <laughs> and so you have to acknowledge that. And the other problem with this is you also, this is another reason why you would leave with those offers is another reason is it's easier for most people to begin with that doing outbound because it's emotionally safer for them. And what I mean by this is if you haven't done outbound before and you see it, and it's this is another reason I pull from my done for you clients. I don't let them see it in their accounts. We manage it so they can't see it because they emotionally get hurt when people say no or not interested. Yeah. Where with inbound marketing, you don't see all the no's and not interested, mm. right? Sometimes you see a comment on your Facebook ad where they're like, you know, I'm not going to swear, but they tell you they go stick it somewhere. Right? And yeah. you're like, oh my God, my ad, someone is you know, calling me out. But what you don't realize is that's okay. That's normal. It doesn't, you have to actually look at the numbers. And once I start going, oh my goodness, you had a click-through rate of like 15% on your cold email where you got the pixel them. And two, you had a reply rate of like, you know what I mean? 15%. And you had 10% of people who are interested in an open rate of 80%. Like, that crushes any inbound marketing campaign whatsoever, sure. right? But if you looked at like an inbound marketing campaign and you had like a click-through rate of 5%, you'd be like, whoa, that's an amazing campaign. Mm -hmm. And then if you had a conversion rate of 2%, people were like, what? You know what I mean? And I'm talking about like a real offer, not, you know, some giveaway or downloadable or something right. like that, right? So, and not to a warm audience that you've been warming up for a while. I mean, on a cold audience on inbound, you couldn't do that. Sure. And I love those points about making the right offer. Extremely important. I never asked to get someone on the phone the first time I reach out to them. It's just a big leap or at least get them on the phone for a sales call, right? That's right. It's just a big leap to do that. Getting into this uh, campaign because you, I, I like all everything you've mentioned so far. I'm like really interested to hear the specifics behind this campaign. So at a high level, before we go into it, I know you have, uh, you can share your screen with viewers and we'll describe it for the podcast audience, but at a high level, what does the campaign look like in terms of touch points and different channels you're using? I'll just share the high level metrics oh, right perfect. here. So I think you can see my screen right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so here's some high level metrics that are here in this particular, and there's 543 prospects in the list. The bounce rate's a little higher than I normally like. So you can see 54 of them bounced, which is just under 10%. I kind of usually like a one to 2% bounce rate if we scrub the list really well. So oopsie, we might have scrubbed this list as well as we, we maybe could have. Now the open rate is fantastic, 82%. People are definitely opening this email. So that usually means the subject line is working. <laughs> so once, once we got the right email address, um, they definitely were opening it. So that's step one to a cold outreach campaign is, are they opening it? <laughs> that's a leading indicator of success. If they're not opening it, well, then nobody's really seeing it. Um, so we can see this opening. And the next thing we can see here is, you know, 5% of them are clicking on an actual link. Now, this wasn't a click campaign. That wasn't the goal. That was just a, a happy byproduct. So we have our ideal audience seeing the message. And then we have our ideal audience. We're pixeling some of them. And then we got a whopping 26% reply rate, which is pretty incredible. Okay. And then we had 18% who are interested in the offer. 
and zero people that have opted out so far, which is pretty good. And we have the unsubscribe link usually there. This is a working really well. And we send a total of four emails over the course of, it looks like here, uh, five, seven, 13, 20 odd days. So it's done in a month. Like you're in and out and we're not hitting this list again at this time. I suppose you could, but that's a pretty good campaign for this particular coaching consultant. That's a lot of, a lot of leads. Yeah. And this campaign was sent over time. It was not even sent in one month. This literally was spread over the course of 90 days. So it's not a lot, but again, how many leads can one person talk to right. <laughs> or get into their marketing funnel? Right. And so that's the 10,000 foot view of what's going on at a level there. And you had 543 cent. How many people were in the campaign? That's how many were in the campaign. Oh, 543 uh, were in the campaign. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, 54 of them bounced and the rest connected in the sense that it wasn't like a hard bounce back or a soft bounce back. Mm -hmm. And out of the ones that sent, you know, 82% of them opened it and it was a 26% reply rate, which is pretty, pretty darn good. Yeah, absolutely. That's excellent. Yeah. Let's kind of go by, you got a four-step sequence here. In that first email, what does that copy look like? Um, how is that structured? Sure. So this is one of these campaigns where we didn't do like a whole lot of deep research on each individual. Like it wasn't like your dream 100. So I'll give you an example. If you have a dream 100. Let's say it's the Fortune 100. Well, there's only 100 of them, right? And if let's say you're reaching out to the CMO or something like that, you only get one shot at it until they kind of change jobs, right? right. So, so you better get it right. You got to better do all the research and do all your due diligence. Well, in this case, you know, believe it or not, there's millions of marketing agencies. <laughs> and so we didn't have to get it all right. We mm -hmm. just needed to really understand who the persona is and what's important to them. And we're able to hack it a little bit with a bit of a sense of humor. So those were the key things of how we made it work. And so the subject line is one that I use all the time. And this is not new and shouldn't be surprising. If you search the web of subject lines that work on cold outreach, you will see this one mentioned all the time. And it's called quick chat or quick question. <laughs> In this case, it says first name, quick chat. Okay. And that happened to get them open. And then the first line was, I was on your website. Okay. <laughs> and usually that's the snippet that people see. Most of the time people are looking on their mobile phones. And for those that are not like listening to this on the podcast versus watching it on YouTube, if I actually open up my phone and go to like, you know, my email as an example, right. It, oh, I can't even open it right now. It's downloading the new app. But if I just open, all you're going to see is the subject line and maybe a word or two from the beginning right. of the email before people can open it up. And so you got to get that part right enough to create enough curiosity that they're going to want to open it. And so quick chat's pretty generic. I find in general, the rules that you want to follow with cold e email is short subject, subject lines, generic in nature, and they really don't want to give too much information one way or another. Basically, Looks you want to think of it. Too. Yeah, you want to treat it like this, like how would you send an email to a friend or someone you know, right? Not getting too chummy. <laughs> what would you say? But if you make it really clickbaity and it like more like a newsletter, it doesn't pass the stiff test of, right. of a real email that's important. And so it's not going to get open. And then when they read, I was on your website. I mean, doesn't that, you just scream. I want to, I, okay. What's, what's up? Okay. You're on my website. And <laughs> Now what, right? Exactly. <laughs> and of course, if you're really smart, those that are really smart will even do some social selling before this. Now we did not do this with this campaign. These are hundred percent cold, but if you did some social selling, this is where you might've connected with them on LinkedIn. You might've commented on some of their stuff socially, whether it's Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever, so that they're aware of who you are. So when they see your name, at least seems familiar, that helps even more. But in this case, this was hundred percent cold and that's how we did it. And then they see an image here of the coach and consultant holding their laptop and there's an image of their website on the laptop. Now it's dynamically generated and we use a tool called Limless to do that. But there's a lot of different tools that you can use. You can use a lot of cold outreach tools and you can, if you need it, most tools don't do it. And if you needed a third party tool to do it, you could use uh, Hyperrise, I believe is what it's called, mm. um, would do it as well too. Now. I find that Limbless is a very affordable way to do it. 
and a great tool. And so it hacks that personalization. Tim was never, this gentleman here was never on their website, right? <laughs> we literally just took the photo, he sent it to me, and then we dynamically generated it there. So it creates a little bit of a connection. Most people know that it's true. Sometimes I even tend to acknowledge it as a cheeky thing. I, I would say, or it was just some fancy Photoshop, but I'll never tell, smiley face, <laughs> right? So at least people know you have a sense of humor. In this case, it says, That's blank, I, who I help who want to, and we talk about who want to scale their sales without having to work harder. It's the most famous headline, right? What do they want to get without doing the other thing? And a good way to figure that out is study the format of jobs to be done. And if you just Google that on the internet, you can figure out what it is that people actually want to do or what they want. And that should be your one line of who you help and how you help. And then he tells a little bit about who he is, right? Explains that he has a connection that he understands with a bit of a sense of humor. So in this case, he talked about, I founded and sold two agencies. I made a lot of mistakes along the way. Now I help other first time, you know, agency owners avoid many mistakes, preventing months of unnecessary anguish. <laughs> and then he talks about, Hey, I have no idea if you want to do any of this stuff. This is the first time I've reached out. We acknowledge this. I understand it's stranger danger. So here's a whole bunch of awesome ungated resources. And this is a hundred percent stuff that agency owners want and everything he gives them is done. So I always tell people, people don't want something from you. They're not impressed from you. If you're gating your stuff, you know, getting a downloadable is so 2015, like I got to put in your email address so I can watch your webinar or get your checklist or your cheat sheet or, or whatever. Why don't you just give it to everybody? Just give it to them, right? So here we are, just give it to them straight out ungated, amazing stuff. Why? Because we're trying to build some goodwill and some rapport because we know we're a stranger, right? right? And then we basically just say, hey, here, if you ever want to chat and if you want some help with doing this particular thing, thanks, right? And so that's the first email. I mean, we're literally just giving them a whole bunch of awesome stuff. I just want to interject too, a reason why this is, so powerful i feel like for me seeing this for the first time is that this isn't like the rest of the emails that whoever's reading this is going to get that day like um sales emails cold outreach emails if they get a few i especially want people listening or watching to pay attention to the angle that matthew's using you're not talking about hey, we can get leads for your agency or anything like that. Or like, you know, we can help you do this. It's more like holistic. It's more personalized. It's more, you're talking about specific pain points. You've been there talking about a specific problem. When you look at it, it's just way more like, okay, this is interesting. I'm not going to look into this right now because it's so different. So I, I love that first email. Awesome. Yeah. And so if we don't get them with the first email, it's always about follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. And something I always keep in the back of my mind is exactly what Morgan talked about, which is I look for moments to delight. Do you remember the first time you got your, like your iPhone and you see the iPhone box? It's very different from any other phone box. Mm -hmm. I mean, every little thing was thought through. And when you get it, you're kind of delighted. You want to keep the box. You don't even want to get, you know, right. Everyone keeps the box and they put other stuff in it because it's so beautifully designed. That's what I mean. Like, if you're not making people smile or delighting them, then you're probably going about it wrong. And what's so funny is when people are not interested in this campaign here, which we give them the ability to opt in all the time, I see them respond all the time going, okay, not interested, but, but that was a great email. <laughs> you know? they, they, they give a little head nod. And this is coming from people who are marketers. They already are like, I've seen it all. They're like, yeah, they know all the games and tricks and tactics, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is what you'll see from this. This works like 10 times better when you're reaching out to other categories, except for lawyers. It doesn't work with lawyers. <laughs> And I've had a few Laura campaigns that they are a tough nut to crack. Yeah. <laughs> so the next one, we try to charm the pants off them and we say, hey, I've got a coffee with your name on it. Again, what are we doing? We're training, creating curiosity and some cheekiness and delight. And when they open up the email, it says, I got a coffee with your name on it. And then just dynamically generated the person's name on the coffee mug. So I just had the client here 
send me a photo of you holding a white coffee mug or it could be a white Starbucks thing. It could be anything. And it just says my meeting with blank name on it. And it's just cheeky. It's just silly. And it says, I hope you found some of those resources helpful. Let me know if you'd be open to a quick virtual coffee. 100% okay to reply with not interest right now. If you feel your business is running smoothly, cheers, right? Super simple, super short, super casual. And sometimes I like to use the words, really great words in, in this type of emails, also words of brainstorming or collaboration. Are you open to collaborating? Yeah. Are you open to brainstorming? right? And usually you can charm the pants off them at this point because you were so helpful with your first email. The second one is that one that just brings it back to the inbox and they were delighted with the first email, but it just got pushed down. And when they see something like this, they go, okay, you win. (laughs) (laughs) Let's chat, you know, is what it is. The next email, the third one is sent about seven days later. So I, I usually like to send emails no more than five to seven days apart. However, as I send more emails, I usually give a longer space between them. Kind of like sure. the Fibonacci sequence, right? Sure. <laughs> Otherwise, it just gets kind of gre- creepy and, and it starts becoming, you're kind of like machine gunning someone. And you mm. got to remember that no reply is a reply to people. Mm. <laughs> and so keep that in mind and acknowledge that as well too. The next one is a, I forgot this mentioned the other day email. There's always, these are always great emails. I forgot this. You can always send something that you forgot to send. Sometimes I, even when I invite someone to something, I purposely leave out the thing that they were supposed to go to. <laughs> Just so I can follow up a couple of days later, go, I forgot to send you the link. <laughs> I forgot mm-hmm. to send you the thing that I said I was going to give you. And that's a very real, normal email. It doesn't feel automated when you forget something (laughs) it's a bit hopefully people don't abuse it now and not everybody starts getting all these i forgot to send you emails but but it says i forgot to send you this the other day i recently did a study on what blank charge do you want to copy i know all my clients also want to know what other people are charging right (laughs) because we know intimately that they want to know something that we left that one asset out of all the other resources because we knew that if we didn't get them with the other ones 100% 100% where to get them this one because everybody Absolutely. wants to know what their competitors are charging, right? That's always a great one. So do a study on what everybody is charging <laughs> and give that away. It works every single time. People want to know what their competitors are doing and how they stack up against them. And so that was a great asset to kind of, you know, again, just build some more goodwill. It's a completely 100% ungated asset. And we're asking for the reply because what we're trying to do is start a conversation. And once you get the reply, that's the opportunity for you as the individual to go in and do way more research. So when you reply with the asset, you can also reply with something else that adds some value. And what I recommend is when you do reply, so this would not be an automated cold automated reply anymore. Once someone replies, they should be taken out of an automated sequence. No longer should AI assist technology or bots be doing something that gets way too wonky. A human must intercept this and respond. It doesn't have to be the actual person, but someone with some EQ, someone with some soft skills. And what they want to do is do a little bit of research. But what you don't want to do is do not, whatever you do, do not call somebody's baby ugly. (laughs) So a lot of times what people will do is they'll get the reply and then they'll go and do this research and tell the person about all the things they're doing wrong and how they could do it better. (laughs) And even if they are not responsible for it, it's insulting and you don't know their situation at this point. The best thing to do is actually find a bunch of things to compliment them on and connect with them. Think about it like dating. Just remember where you are. You just crossed the stage of maybe not being a stranger anymore. Maybe, maybe. And they're starting to like you. <laughs> Continue the like trade. And so you can eventually get to that opportunity of building some trust, right? You have mm-hmm. not actually built the trust yet, sending some goodwills and a few emails. It's not time to sell yet. It's not time to start correcting all the things that they're doing wrong and sure. how you can help them. You haven't crossed that bridge yet. Like, could you imagine being on a second date with someone and you start telling them of how, they're, how they can improve their life? lives like yeah. that'd be such a turnoff no instead you <laughs> want to tell them how beautiful their hair is and their eyes look and wow and you want to you know shower them with compliments so go find a few things to connect not a lot don't get creepy don't give false compliments give genuine ones find mm-hmm. something to be quick to connect on and compliment them on now if that doesn't get them the last one is always you always should store in a fourth one because the stats show apparently if you google it 
those that send between four and seven emails <laughs> close a lot more deals than those that give up after three. So, sure. <laughs> so always send a fourth. Although I think that after a fourth, you can usually give it a break. If they didn't engage at this point, it's probably safe to say no reply is a reply. And usually I go for a softer thing. So in this case, in this email, we went for the community offer. We said, hey, we know we tied it to something that's current. Good marketing is always relevant. And so obviously we have shutdowns and social distancing and unemployment and all kinds of unusual things that they're going through right, right now. Their hair probably feels like it's on fire. So we went with the community offer. Hey, birds of a feather flock together. Why don't you join my Facebook group? Okay. Where you can hang out with other peeps that are just like you, right? <laughs> and that's very attractive. And it gives another opportunity for them to get to know, like, and trust you. And that's why I always say community offers work really, really great. And it's a great way for you to find some leverage because you can sell to the people at a one-to-many level without being kind of creepy or sleazy and slimy. It's really inbound marketing in a way, but in a controlled environment, right? right. So you can funnel a bunch of people to a community. It works every time. I've never not had a community offer work. However, then you have the responsibility of managing a community, which is, you know, some work. It's not always appropriate for everybody. If you do it well and you get it set up well, it does turn into the 80-20 where you 20% of the time you're responsible for the work and 80% of the time the community builds it. However, it takes a little bit of time to get your community running that way. It's kind of like a flywheel. It takes a lot of effort to get it spinning, but once it starts spinning, man, that thing just runs on its own, right? Which is brilliant. And so if you can take your ideal clients and throw them all into a private group or a private mastermind, it's magical. It's a great way to cherry pick clients. Love that. It's like a lower friction type offer. People usually don't leave Facebook groups either. They become inactive, but they still get the notifications, maybe pop in once in a while and, and say something or comment on something. But yeah. even if they're not active in their group, they're still getting those posts and, and see, especially yeah. Facebook, right? Well, I'll tell you four ways to get them active and to make sure that you have a stickiness factor and how to turn those community members into actual sales calls. You want to hear that? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So one is once you get them to the group, is you ask for their email before they join the Facebook group and you put them in another automated sequence, which goes something like this. Hey, our group just got better because of you. Can you do me one favor? Can you post in the group what your business name is, who you help, how you help, how long you've been doing it, what you're hoping to get from the group. Everybody loves talking about themselves. So you get them posting about them and then you celebrate it like crazy. You have all your strategic friends in the group going and say, welcome, 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 right? Because nobody wants to post something and not be welcome. And then two, you have another message following up a couple of days later. It says, hey, thanks for joining the group. If you haven't posted yet, post it. But I'd also love to do a welcome call. 15, 20 minute welcome call to the group. I'd love to just find out what you want to learn the group so I can make that happen. Guess what the welcome call is? It's a discovery call, right? <laughs> Where you can learn more about their business and sure. help them out, you know, actually be helpful. I mean, you shouldn't do it as bait and switch and, and use it as like an, yeah. a, a secret sales call. That's not the goal, but you also end up doing a little bit of client research, right? Or consumer insights at the same time, you start learning more about what's important to your ideal customer. So it just makes your marketing better. And you make it stickier because now you're having this kind of belly to belly moment. I mean, obviously sure. it's tough to do belly to belly stuff now with our current environment. However, a Zoom call or a quick phone call does make it stickier, but now they not only have they seen the emails, they actually have a voice or a person they've seen, they're connected with, they're much more likely to participate. Which, And if they're more likely to participate in something like a Facebook group, then your content shows up more often in their newsfeed, right. which makes you more relevant, et cetera. So that's a great way of sort of taking that soft offer with less friction, like you said, mm -hmm. you know, and turning it into a sales call in a non-sleazy, slimy way. Right. You're just building yeah. up these people who are going to engage, who are going to be, you know, tightly knit in the group. They'll know you. Um, and from there, if what you offer is a good fit for them, it's going to be a no brainer for them. Right. They totally. already know, like, and trust you. You got a good offer. 
And there it is. You mentioned pixeling people. Do you use retargeting ads in combination with any campaigns you run? A hundred percent. Of course. I recommend it to everybody and we do it as well too. Why would you do all that work without, you know, following around? I mean, ideally you want them to think that you have Coca-Cola budgets, but you don't, you're really just, (laughs) you're really the big fish in the little pond and you can do amazing stuff with a $5 retargeting campaign per day, (laughs) really between AdWords, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram are probably the key places that you'll catch 95% of people. by just dropping a pixel on your website. So if you're not doing that, that's silly, especially since you're hitting your ideal customers. I mean, if you're cold at reach campaign, you're not hitting your ideal customers that you just built your list wrong, right? I mean, it's your mm-hmm. own damn fault. <laughs> you know? Sure. Where if your paid ads don't hit the right people, sure, it, it may not work, but it's also great for your inbound marketing campaigns because it helps train the pixels and the algorithms on other platforms on who is your ideal client. Like, who is it that you want to target? But absolutely. And again, you need to follow up with more useful information where they can get to know, like, and trust you. And I recommend that you actually use videos and a combination between short videos and longer videos. And one of the things I like to do with people is I like to have them do cold outreach campaigns to do interviews with their ideal clients. And then they record that. And then they record that and they use that content as the content for retargeting ads, <laughs> especially if it's the 1% they all aspire to be, um, you want to interview them. And all they see is they see the people they aspire to be and you, the people <laughs> they aspire to be and you, the people they aspire to be and you. Well, all those experts and people they aspire to be come and go, but the anchor is always you. And so therefore, when they are ready to buy, because we never know when they're ready to buy, when you do cold outreach, you could be six months early, six months late. You don't know, but it doesn't matter, especially if you're selling high ticket price stuff. The point is, it's a marathon and not a sprint. And at some point, you're going to be the person they go to or the obvious person they want to go to. And if they trust you, price doesn't matter anymore. It matters a lot less right? So you have a lot more leverage on your side, particularly because you've built so much goodwill over time. I mean, I've literally had people who've been standing by waiting, waiting to buy from me or buy from my clients because they're like, I've been dying to buy from you. I just couldn't for whatever reason. Sometimes they work at one company and they just can't get buy-in from their stakeholders for whatever reason internally. They change jobs and the new company 100% 100% is on aligned with, with them, or they took on a, a better role with more seniority where they control the purse strings and they circle right back to you going, it's been two years. <laughs> Let's go, man. I've been, I, I've been engaged with you, following you. I love you. How much? Let's go. Where do I sign? Right. Which is a wonderful place to be in. Right. So, sure. and it takes time and that's not something that happens overnight, but like anything, like anything, we're the sum of our daily habits. It's like going to the gym. You don't go to the gym once or once a month and expect the French bench 200 pounds. You got to go every single day or every other day and do a little bit, 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 a little bit. And over time, when you look back, all of a sudden you go, holy crap, that's that little bit's really starting to add up. Just like the compound interest, right? Fine said this, like those who understand compound interest earn it and those that don't, pay it right absolutely (laughs) nothing could be truer tony robbins says the same thing we greatly underestimate what we can get done in a decade but greatly overestimate what we can get done in a year Mm -hmm. right and so there's these similar themes over and over and over again that come up and so it's about doing a whole bunch of little tiny right things over and over and over again before you know it you'll get the results that you're looking for absolutely in this um campaign specifically did you find out, I'm just curious, how many community signups has generated and how many conversations it generated, if you have that information? Uh, well, the reply rate was 26. I, we could say that that's a conversation to some degree. Sure. However, I think the number was, when I looked at it, I don't have it in front of my screen right now, I think it was 18% were interested. So let's say 18% of people had a positive conversation out of it all. Uh, how they laddered up into either phone calls or communities, I'm not sure. However, I do know the gentleman who's running the campaign, everybody gets an invite to the community at some point, whether it's on the front end or the back end. Everybody goes in there, including clients. And that's really the smart thing to do, right? It's a great way to find leverage because, again, 
you have an opportunity to do one-to-many branding, which is really one-to-many selling, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's easier to, you could jump on Facebook Live. And even if you don't only talk to three people that, at that point, you'll see if you look at your stats, you know, there's like 100 people or 200 people in the group that saw it. And if you do one of those every week, it starts to really add up. Eventually people start to go, I really like this guy. He seems like in a way he's always giving and what he's saying makes sense. And like I should reach out. And mm -hmm. so what you want to do is take your ideal clients and build some rapport with them and put them in a controlled environment that you can do one-to-many selling with. And that's a great way to leverage sales if you don't have a lot of salespeople and don't have a lot of time, right? Absolutely. Even on top of that, I recommend even replacing salespeople and doing that sometimes. I, that's what I did <laughs> is I ended up replacing BDRs and SDRs and automating many of these processes. Not that that's a good solution for everybody, but that and for me, it made more sense because it was a lot of work managing all those people mm -hmm. and less, less people to manage <laughs> is easier, period. Unless you want to hire managers for your, to, for your people, managers for managers and then managers for those managers. Yeah. <laughs> Regional manager reports, the district manager, oh, district manager reports. Uh, it never uh, ends. Maybe. It never ends. Yeah. This is awesome. Matthew, I want to thank you so much for joining me today to tell us about this campaign and not just the campaign, but your process. I think what really stuck out to me the most was just the long-term nature of your lead gen process and how you take, this isn't just a quick hit campaign. Let's see it, you know, how many sales meetings we can get out of it. This is a very long-term approach. You're taking a lot of care upfront, uh, building the right list, putting quality over quantity. You're making the uh, right offer to your prospects and thinking about like, you know, if they don't go into that main offer, how can you at least offer them something valuable so that they will join your ecosystem and you're speaking to them in a very human way, doing your research and pixeling people you're focusing not just on outbound sales or really inbound sales, but brand, right? Yeah. And building not just customers or clients, but true fans and advocates of yeah. what you have to offer. So I think that's extremely powerful for anyone who's definitely, if you own a business, own an agency or an entrepreneur, or even if you are a salesperson, just to have this long-term view of things, understand that you're really, at the end of the day, you're selling to people. And I know that you have had a lot of success on LinkedIn generating uh, lots of traffic. Uh, we spoke before, you have a swipe file for LinkedIn posts. You write these five-minute updates and they've driven over one and a half million views in the past year, right? Yeah, yeah not um, even a year. So this would be the, like, the first two quarters so far. Yeah. So about six months. Yes. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, anyone who's listening or watching can get that at automationwolf.com slash outbound metrics. That's automationwolf.com slash outbound metrics. Name of the show. Matthew, once again, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Borg. And thanks for having me. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Matthew is great at taking a quality over quantity approach, engaging prospects in a valuable, low pressure way. And he understands that it's not all about emails, data, and meetings. It's as much about positioning and mindset as anything else. If you have any questions about the show, ideas on what could be better, or even a suggestion on what I should talk about next or who I should interview, please see me an email at morgan at morgandwilliams.com. That's morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, at morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, D like David, Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S.com. Thanks for listening.